Hi, everybody. This is Tony Kahn, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. I don't know about you, but uh, I sometimes make the mistake of insulting a culture that I admire, like the time in Kyoto that I slipped into a Japanese bath with a huge bar of soap to wash up instead of to rinse, or the time that I arrived on time at a dinner party in Mexico City. What an insult. This does not give the hosts the extra hour to enjoy the freedom from precision, which is at the heart of real Mexican courtesy. But what do you do when instead of merely visiting a different culture, you marry into it? One of the experts in the clash of cultures, at least between Russians and Americans, which is a very combustible combination, is an old friend of mine named Lynn Visan. She's American-born, and she wrote a book about Russian-American marriages, and I went to visit her a while ago in her New York apartment, which she shares with her charming husband, Paris. <laughs> For her new book, Wedded Strangers, Lynn explored the strains and the satisfactions of more than 100 Russian-American marriages, including her own 20-year union with Boris. What's amazing is that even in years when it was extremely difficult for Americans and Russians to get married in getting exit visas from Russia and entry visas into the United States, there were an enormous number of these marriages taking place. Nowadays, the main problem isn't getting together, it's staying together. Take this rough start between a Russian woman and an American man who were introduced over the Internet. The woman, as soon as she moved into the band's apartment, sewed all his sheets together to form the kind of little packet into which a Russian puts a blanket. He was not terribly amused. In another case, a uh, Russian woman, whenever the man went out to the store and bought something, would criticize whatever he had bought because her idea was a man couldn't possibly know how to buy food in a store and obviously any salesperson would cheat him and he was probably getting the worst things in the store. Lynn says the differences crop up in every aspect of married life. Take money. Most everyday American financial transactions are, for Russians, voodoo economics. Many Russians still find it basically a somewhat mystical concept. Why, if I write you a check, by some very weird process, that check eventually finds its way home to me. The same is true for savings and financial planning of any kind. I know at least one couple where when the, the American wife suggested the Russian husband buy life insurance, he was horrified. He said, what's the matter? You want me dead? Or of making a will in which you decided who would get what. It was the same reaction of, are you planning to murder me? Then, of course, there's that minefield of married life, just spending time with a friend of your own. There was a misunderstanding with a couple we know in New York where the man said that he was going to go out with a friend for a drink at 8 o'clock. When he wasn't back by 4 o'clock in the morning, the wife was calling up all her friends to see where he was, and when he came in at quarter to 6, he was perfectly nonchalant. Well, you knew I was with my friend. What could have happened to us? What am I, a small boy? I have to call mommy every two minutes? <laughs> a Russian feels that a friend is someone to whom you can say anything, whom you can call and who'll come over at three in the morning. Uh, you may have few friends, but they are real friends. While an American may say, oh, I have 50 friends, but none of them will be up to snuff in terms of the Russian definition. In a sense, there's a specter haunting the Russian-American marriage far more threatening than any ex-lover and far more ominous than any in-law, the ghost of the Russian past. Survival in Russia demanded qualities of Russians that many Americans find dogmatic, sneaky, even self-defeating. Lynn says this Russian obstreperousness shows up in every aspect of the marriage, from the rearing of children to the meaning of honesty. 
in Soviet Russia. What was a Russian to do if uh, there was a party meeting coming up and his best friend was supposed to be given a, a reprimand or be censured at that meeting? To go and vote to censure your friend is not very nice. To vote against it, you were subjecting yourself to a possible loss of job and all kinds of penalties. What was the best thing to do? Call in sick. Is that a lie? Yes. Was it moral? Yes. And this kind of attitude permeated the entire country. Bosses lied to subordinates. Subordinates lied to the people under them. Husbands lied to wives. Wives lied to husbands. Parents lied to children. One Russian said to me about his American wife, my wife is incapable of lying, and it makes her very difficult to live with. And yet, these marriages survive, sometimes even thrive. Before I left their Manhattan apartment, I asked Boris and Lynn one last question. If there is one quality in the other to which you attribute the longevity of your marriage, 20 years or so, what would it be? Boris? Uh, Boris offered an answer Lynn agreed with wholeheartedly. A very deep friendship. I would say exactly the same thing. In our case, as, as in any really true marriage, the, the spouse is not just a spouse, but your, your best and your number one friend, for whom you have the kind of feelings that you don't have for anybody else in the world. Russians are drawn to our freedoms and yet feel we're superficial. We're drawn to Russia's passions, yet feel they're dogmatic. Clearly, there's a lot to learn and to gain from each other. Or, as a Russian might put it, since we're going to fight anyway, why not fight about something really important? Today's morning story from Lynn Vissan and her husband, Boris, Till Death Do Us Part. I did this piece uh, a few years ago, but uh, I, I see Lynn all the time, and, and she and Boris are doing just fine. We thought it would be nice, though, to poll some of you to see how you're doing. So we turned to our email, and we found a fellow who lives in Bangkok who has written to us before named Todd. Todd's an American, but he's married to a Thai woman named Goy, whom he met in Santa Fe in the United States, and with whom he's now living in Bangkok. Mixed marriages are accepted here. That's not the stigma there. In fact, all the high so, meaning high society, uh -huh. types, the high so, they, uh -huh. um, they often marry the foreigner. It's sort of, uh, how old am I? How much money do I make? And where do I come from? You know, what, what town? Mm -hmm. And even then, you would have to go through sort of a testing period with the parents, you know. One of my Thai friends, Chinese Thais, they were born in Thailand, but they have Chinese descent. So my friend loved this one girl, and uh, they decided they're going to go meet mom and dad. And dad never looked up from his newspaper for four years until <laughs> finally he accepted him. So my first time meeting my wife's parents, I was really nervous. I got lucky. That, oh, I love my family. I just love them. They're, we are close. Todd, let me poke a little bit at your paradise there and ask sure. if, if there are small things where you do feel the bump, the difference in cultures. It's, it's, it's ever-present. I remember we had um, a Buddha in the house. You know, I just thought, oh, this is kind of neat looking. You know, it's very Eastern. <laughs> And I remember uh, getting out of the shower once and running to the phone without any clothes on in front of the Buddha. And um, she nearly had a fit. I mean, this was, for Thai people, there's a tremendous modesty 
I had to learn about becoming much more modest in my behavior. They will take some of the things that we say quite literally. That's what I had to learn. And then I, of course, adapted and molded more to her way of life. And especially being here, I completely understand where she was coming from in the past. Mm. What can sometimes happen is that the, the person, if they're living in their native country, may actually prefer to live in your native country, but that's not the way it's oh, working yeah. out. Mr. Tony, oh yes, she's you know she is a U.S. citizen and earned that right, mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't easy getting that citizenship. And uh, then when she got it, I said, "Oh, guess where we're going?" <laughs> you know? No, she wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, and that's I'm happy over here. I like it here, but uh, she wants to get back there. That's a whole other thing to negotiate, isn't it? I appreciate that, but I said we have to earn some money first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Do you, but, um, do you think, you know, you've been married for how long, Todd? Seven years. Are there ways in which your being from different cultures has actually helped your marriage? Mm. I, I'm so proud. I think we're so proud of each other and, and how we both wanted to learn each other's ways. And um, instead of finding fault, um, most of the time we found... Uh, a lot of triumphs. You know, I'm just so so proud of her and just so delighted to be with her. She won't tell me directly, but I can hear her talking to others that, uh, oh, he can speak very good Thai, and he really knows a lot about us, you know. Yeah. And that makes me feel good, you know. It doesn't always go well every day, and um, we're not always in the best mood every day. But, I, Tony, I think that um, it's through struggle that we, we find ourselves... We find the true character often. Beyond that, and the cultural differences, it's it's a lot about um, how we speak to each other. And the two of us knew it wasn't easy. But even with those fights, they would end, and then there would be the kindness. Isn't it kindness, even with someone you love, one of the most important things in life? What else do we have, you know? You are um, a delight to have on the radio, oh, and, and, and and by the way, um, Gary is also. I, I like to listen to him. And please uh, uh, hello to him. And, I shall. And if you guys ever get out here, um, you know who to contact. I'd look forward to meeting you and to being introduced to the lovely Goy. Please say hi to him oh, for me. I will. It's been nice to talk to you, Tony. Bye bye. I'm here in the studio with Gary Mott and Tony. I shaved my head. You shaved your head. I shaved my head. Because I said, you know what? No woman is ever going to fall in love with me. Oh. And I'm going to get a tattoo. And sure enough, the day I shaved my head, the day I got that tattoo, in walks Lori. Where the hell is your tattoo? It was a temporary tattoo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> temporary tattoo. <laughs> All right. Our relationship has just taken a whole step deeper than I ever thought it would. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's very that's very touching. I'm for marriage, too, but I do want to quote an old friend of mine who is a Hungarian who has a somewhat different take. She, she thinks that marriage is a great idea, but only as an option that you have to legally renew every three years. She <laughs> says, <laughs> if you don't go to the court and renew your marriage, then it automatically should be able to lapse. Now, there's a thought that I've <laughs> thought before. Speaking about cross-cultural marriages, and I say it with all sincerity, yes, we do. 
to Ipswich, a leader in file transfer software and our sponsor for this podcast pretty much since the start. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen of Ipswich. You can reach them at their website, ipswitch.com. Morning Stories is all over the web now. We have a site on Flickr. You know, why did we get into radio, Tony? You'll see why (laughs) on Flickr. (laughs) Flickr.com slash photos slash WGBH Morning Stories. And be sure and send us an email, morningstories at WGBH.org. And keep your downloads going because we'll be back at you with another morning story from you real soon. Bye-bye. Goy has tolerated you for seven years. Tolerated is perfect, yes, exactly. Uh, The poor thing. (laughs) Well, she has a sense of humor, and that's why.